Good morning. Welcome this last day of Epiphany to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. It's nice to see each of you here. Over the course of my time at, uh, at this congregation, I have preached on the Transfiguration probably seven or eight times, so I figured today I'd do something different. Our focus will instead be on the second lesson as it relates to our mission. I'd like to invite you at this time, please, to silence your phones as a gift to yourself and to your neighbor. If uh, you wish, we have communables outside in the narthex so that you can receive Eucharist directly from your pew. We also invite you to use sanitizer before taking communion at the railing, and we have masks on the table outside as well. Please rise now as you are able for our gathering hymn, How Good, O Lord, to Be Here, number 315. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. 
this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God, the light of your truth shines from the mountaintop. Transfigure us by your beloved Son, that we might live for others as he did. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite forward the children for our children's sermon. <laughs> How about, let's see. Okay, that'll work. Hello. <laughs> I know you. Yeah. Would you say your name so that we can reintroduce you to the congregation? What's your name? Amelia. Amelia. How old are you? Four. Four. And you? Ethan. Ethan. And how old are you? Seven. Seven. And how old are you, young man? Ten. Ten. What's your name to the congregation? Devin. Devin. 
And then finally, oh, look at that smile. He says Callum. He's a year and a half. Okay, so we have quite an age range here, don't we? Yeah. Well, when I was growing up, I used to love going to church. I loved the singing and the, the space of the sanctuary. I'm curious about each of you. What do you like about going to church? Yes, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Treats. Yes, what else? The snacks after church. I remember liking that too. So candy, snacks after church. Devin, what do you like about coming to church? Snacks. Okay, so we do have a consistent theme here, even if the ages differ. Oh, Callum likes the choir and the organ. That's wonderful. Uh, the choir even bowed for you back there. That's, that's wonderful, Callum. I think all of us agree with you, Callum. Nicely done. Well, today what I wanted to do was to say thank you. Not simply to each of you for being here, although I'm so glad you are here, but to your parents who have committed themselves to raising you in the faith. All of you are here because your parents have made a hard commitment to do that. Some of you want to leave, that's fine. <laughs> but this is actually a perfect illustration of the commitment uh, our parents bring uh, with them to the church. And so on behalf of the congregation, I would like to give each of you something, not a treat this time, but a thank you card, which says thank you for your commitment to fulfill your baptismal vows by raising your children in the faith. Amelia, I'm wondering if you could color this with crayons. I'll give you crayons in a second, and then give it to your parents, and then show me after church what you did, okay? Ethan, the same is for you. I don't know if coloring is your, is your interest anymore, but maybe some drawings? Yes, so this one is, uh, is for you, and this one is for you, thank you. Brianna, uh, thank you, Eric, uh, thank you, Aaron and Bridget, and thank you to all the parents who have made that commitment to raising their children in the faith. God bless you. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for everything from treats to snacks to a wonderful choir. Give us the faith and commitment to, uh, to participate in the Christian community and help us all be one in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have crayons. In your case, let's see, what colors? We've got colors here. I'm gonna let you and Ethan split those up. There you go, Ethan. Would you share those with your sister? And then uh, I have a marker here. That might be more appropriate for you. You want the, <laughs> okay, here's a marker too. All right, thank you. Is he too young to color? Okay, I'll give the rest of the bag to you. All right, thank you so much. Uh-oh, boy, if I did that, it'd be a trip to the hospital. <laughs> First reading is from Second Kings, second chapter, first 12 verses. Today's reading centers on the transfer of power and authority from the prophet Elijah to Elisha, their travels which retrace the path of Joshua back to Moab, the place where Moses died, 
and the parting of the waters demonstrate that Elisha and Elijah are legitimate successors of the great prophet Moses. A reading from the second book of Kings. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But, Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. The water was parted to one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
The second reading is from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. The spotlight of Christian ministry is not on the people who carry out ministry, but on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as God made light shine at creation, God makes the light of Jesus Christ shine in our lives through Christian ministry. A reading from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the lights of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, the Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. I tell myself every Sunday, if I can just make it through the children's sermon, I'll be okay. So, uh, again, I just want to thank the parents and others who support children being here at the church. Uh, It reflects your commitment to the baptismal vows that were made uh, for each of your children, Uh, three of whom uh, were seated up here today. So thank you again to the parents uh, and those others, family and friends who support the presence of children in this congregation. 
It happened again. Another Lutheran church has fallen. After 50 years of public ministry, Holy Cross Lutheran of Bellevue closed its doors. This is surprising since as recently as 2022, its Facebook feed contained a number of posts, including a great picture of an Easter baptism, as well as many pictures of community involvement on the part of the congregation. Now, however, the church no longer exists. It no longer has a website. In fact, a quick Google search for Holy Cross Lutheran brings up almost no evidence it even ever existed except a glaring red banner next to its name that says, permanently closed. Permanently closed. Now, from what little I could find, Holy Cross Lutheran bears a number of similarities with Queen Anne Lutheran Church. Let me name three of them. As a greening congregation, it committed itself to stewardship, or rather to the stewardship of God's creation, just like we do. As a reconciling in Christ congregation, it proudly welcomed all people, irrespective of sexual orientation or gender identity, just like we do. And finally, it understood itself as a place where one could raise questions and express doubt just like we do. Indeed, in 2019, its pastor at the time, Paul Eldred, who's a friend of mine, described Holy Cross Lutheran in exactly the same words I would use to describe Queen Anne Lutheran. We are a small but mighty congregation, he says. No matter who you are, wherever you love, whoever you love, Whatever your gender identity, wherever you come from, whatever you think of organized religion, or what your experience of God and faith or doubt is, you'll find a place of love and acceptance as we walk together this journey of discipleship. Like Holy Cross Lutheran, in short, Queen Anne Lutheran is and will continue to be a place of grace where all are welcome, particularly in the light of our mission statement of proclaiming the love of God in Christ for every single person. So what happened? What compelled this small but mighty congregation to close its doors? What national trends regarding church attendance led to its demise? And what can we learn so that Queen Anne Lutheran does not suffer the same fate? Easy questions. Well, at the outset, I can say I don't have all the answers. If I did, we would be the first Lutheran megachurch in the Northwest. I know next to nothing about the ministry of Holy Cross Lutheran apart from what I learned online, but I do know something regarding national trends uh, with respect to church decline, and I also know something about 
Gen Z. The generation least likely to attend church and most likely to identify as spiritual but not religious. How do I know these things? The answer is simple. Not only do I host a bi-monthly Bible study here at Queen Anne Lutheran for young adults, specifically college students from SPU just down the road, I am also teaching for one more month 60 undergraduates at Seattle University on my days off. This has turned out to be quite advantageous. It's given me a chance to learn, or in some cases confirm, firsthand why Generation Z does not attend church. Let me share three, three things in particular that I've discovered. Number one, many who do not attend church were raised by parents who felt their children could simply decide for themselves what religion, if any, uh, they would practice when they get older. The result was quite predictable. A Facebook meme, which of course is the source of all truth, uh, captures it perfectly. It says, when church becomes optional to you, it will become unnecessary to your children. When church becomes optional to you, it will become, I would say in most cases, unnecessary to your children. That was on a sign of St. Luke's Lutheran Church, not in Bellevue, but uh, back east of Missouri Synod Lutheran Church, and I think it's quite, uh, quite telling. Of course, raising your children in the church provides no guarantee that they will practice their faith in community with others as adults. But at least you've given them something other young people don't have, a spiritual language they can use to navigate their way through the complexities of life. And secondly, the countercultural value of living for others instead of simply living for ourselves. Now, you've heard me say this a thousand times. In fact, while I wish you would remember everything I say, this is the most important thing in my preaching. We are called in Christ to be men and women for others, not at the expense of ourselves, but as a way of, of working toward the common good, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. So the church provides this ideally, a countercultural perspective or value of living for others instead of the me-first culture that is around us. That's reason one. Young people often do not attend church because they were never exposed to it as children. A second reason I learned for why Generation Z does not attend church is one with, it, with which I was already somewhat familiar. In this case, however, the reason for not attending church came from those who had a religious upbringing. Again, those who had a religious upbringing. In paper after paper I received at the beginning of the term, students shared their disapproval of the harsh and judgmental attitude they observed in church toward those who identify as LGBT. This confirms a trend the Public Religion Research Institute, or PRRI, noticed way back in 2016. 
When PRRI surveys asked religiously unaffiliated Americans who were raised religious why they left their childhood religion, respondents have given a variety of reasons. They stopped believing in its teachings. They had problems with the way it conflicted with science, the lack of time, etc. But one issue stands out, this study says, particularly for younger Americans. About 70% of millennials, ages 18 to 33 at the time, believe that religious groups are alienating young adults by being too judgmental about gay and lesbian issues. And 31% of millennials who were raised religious but now claim no religious affiliation report that negative teaching about or treatment of gay and lesbian people by religious organizations was a somewhat or very important factor in their leaving. Now, I'm not saying I agree with their leaving. I'm just telling you what the survey says. That's point two. Those who were raised in a religion often talk about their disapproval of the harsh and judgmental attitude they observed in church toward members of the LGBT community. Number three, the reason Gen Z does not attend church also includes the various scandals of the church, especially in the Catholic Church and its protection of priests who, have been, uh, who were molesting children. Of course, the Catholic Church is not an outlier here. Sexual abuse occurs across Protestant denominations, while other professions, including teaching and coaching also have sexual abusers among the ranks, the point here should be clear. The church not only has a serious ethical or moral problem, it also has a major PR problem. By protecting perpetuators of sexual violence toward children, churches are understandably turning young people away. So, how might we respond knowing at least partially why Generation Z no longer attends church? Whether it's because they were not raised in a religious community or because of the church's perceived attitudes toward gays and lesbians or the various scandals with which the church has been caught up over uh, the last few decades. What, in other words, can we do to prevent what happened to Holy Cross Lutheran from happening to us at Queen Anne Lutheran? Well, obviously, there are no easy answers. That said, I think there are hints from today's reading, today's second reading, as well as our mission statement, that might help light the way. Let's start with Scripture. Notice what the Apostle Paul says in our second reading. And even if our gospel is veiled, he writes, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. We see the same language for Christ in Philippians 2 when it talks about how though he was in the image of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, so he emptied himself. Christ here is the mirror of the divine. 
the perfect embodiment of God's love in the world. So if our gospel then is veiled, what should we do? If our gospel of grace is veiled, what should we do? If our gospel of hospitality and welcoming others is veiled, what should we do? (laughs) We should unveil it. We should, as Martin Luther says, shout it from the rooftops. We should show others that an alternative exists to the kind of fear-mongering, homophobic version of Christianity that Generation Z rightly rejects. Can I get an amen to that? We should, in short, invite people to experience what it means to be Christian in a place of grace. And we should do all of this not only because of what the Apostle Paul says in the second reading about unveiling the gospel, we should do it because that's who God calls us to be as a reconciling in Christ congregation with a mission of proclaiming the love of God in Christ to every single person, full stop. Whether Jew or Greek, as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3, Slave or free, male or female, and I would add straight or gay. Dear friends in Christ, there is no easy answer to the question of what to do in the face of declining attendance in church. I acknowledge that. Just as there is no guarantee that by living and witnessing to the gospel of grace as Holy Cross Lutheran presumably did, we will not suffer the same fate. But there is something we can do. We can be the people whom God is calling us to be. We can unveil the gospel, and we can welcome others as God in Christ welcomes each of us. May all of us, with enthusiasm, therefore, unveil the gospel of grace by living for others and by accepting others so that the light of Christ shines not only in our hearts, as the apostle Paul says, but throughout our community and the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let us now confess the words of our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. For the prayers of the church, we invite you, please, to be seated or to kneel, whichever your preference. As we celebrate Christ embodied in human form, we pray for God's blessing on the church, the world, and all creation. We pray for the Church that the transformational power of God enters the hearts of all people. May its leaders and members serve as examples of your grace and healing here and across the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you for the creation from its swirling galaxies to its tiniest microbes. Teach us to honor and respect all you have made to care for all peoples, animals, plants, soils, and waters of this planet. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those charged with leadership, lawmaking, organization, governance of our towns, states, and counties, that they may strive for goodness and justice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for any who are sick and suffering, especially those who suffer from despair or feel hopeless. Inspire us to offer hospitality, shelter, friendship, and care to any and all in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for this congregation and its ministries in the wider community, from Queen Anne Helpline to Lutheran World Relief. Help us continue to pursue creative ways to live out our mission to proclaim God's love in Christ to all peoples and to all generations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For whom or what else do the people of God pray today? Lord, we pray for Lottie, and she those surgeries over her Hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. Holy God, we pray for all the generations that comprise this family of faith. 
from the silent to the boomer to X to millennial to Z. Be with each of them in their various chapters of life. Be with all of us and bless us and keep us. This morning we pray as well for the family of Jan Sorensen, widow of the Reverend Reuben Sorensen, pastor here from 1973 to 1992 upon her death. We pray for Paul. We pray for Dylan and family in memory of his mother, Tina. We pray for healing for Kurt, Lisa, and Malachi. We pray for all those recovering from surgery, including Lisa's mother, Eunice, Cantor Kyle, and Mary. We pray for Bill recovering from a fall, for John and family in memory of his mother, Mary, for Charlene, Samuel, Jane, Scott. We pray for Heidi, for Dennis, for the family of Pat, for Almaz's mother and brother. We pray for the family of Dan, for Matt's mother, Jeannie, for Chris and Jackie, Finley, Pat, her sister Donna, and niece Kathleen. We pray for Jean, Richard, Jan, Richard McNeese, Barb, Denny, and Hildy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Trusting that all the saints, prophets, and those who die in faith are held in your care, we remember in thanksgiving those who have died, especially Jan Sorensen. We thank you for her faithful presence among us for many years. Grant us your gift of salvation as we look for the resurrection in our own bodies as well as in the world to come. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Knowing the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, we offer these prayers and the silent prayers of our hearts. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Please rise as you are able. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share a sign of this peace with one another. Please rise or remain standing for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. 
let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan you proclaimed him your beloved son. And in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. In this place of grace, all are welcome to the table of grace. If you wish to receive a blessing in place of the Eucharist, simply fold your arms. Holy Communion is a rehearsal for seeing Christ when we break bread together. In this tradition, we teach that though God in Christ fills all things, he comes to us in a special way where he has been promised, namely in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. At Jesus' table, heaven and earth are joined as one. Come and see. For those of you communing from the pew, this is the body of Christ given for you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. You may be seated.
please rise as you are able for our post-communion prayer. Giver of every gift, Christ's body is our food and we are Christ's body. Raise us to life by your power for the benefit of all and to your glory, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated briefly for announcements. Welcome once more to Queen Anne Lutheran Church, where we proclaim the reckless, astonishing, abundant, radical love of God for all people. It is wonderful to see each of you here. We have a number of announcements. We'll start first with Cantor Kyle. Hi. Next Sunday is the first Sunday during the season of Lent, and we have opportunity for a pickup choir. So meet at 9.30 in the back there. We'll learn a, a piece of music and present it at the worship service at 10.30. So we'll meet for about 45 minutes, uh, 9.30 to, to 10.15 or so, uh, and then present that piece of music for worship. It's a good way to just sort of try choir and see what it's all about. And uh, I've got a couple ideas, and what I'm thinking of is uh, actually an, an ancient song of lament from the uh, Hebrew people that is uh, recorded in the Bible and oftentimes used during the season of Lent that has a connection to this congregation. So to find out what that connection is, <laughs> you'll have to come. <laughs> Several more announcements. First, uh, we concluded our forum series today on women of the Reformation. Uh, Dr. Hofstad will be joining us as well for uh, the QALCW Lenten brunch uh, this coming Saturday, the 17th at 9.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, come share in food, fellowship, and preparation for the 40 days of Lent with Dr. Lynn Hofstad. I was told by uh, Jackie Derrick at the forum, all are welcome. Which was a surprise to some. Which what? It was a surprise to some. It was, huh? Okay. All are welcome with the caveat that it was a surprise to some of us. Thank you. Yes, yes, we'll make it work, right? Uh, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. I'm always reminded here of Job 1, I'm sorry, 14.1, where it says, a mortal born of woman, few of days and full of trouble, comes up like a flower and withers, flees like a shadow and does not last. This seems morbid to be sure, but I think acknowledging our mortality is also a way in both the Catholic and Lutheran traditions of appreciating with gratitude the gift of life, however brief that God has given us. So we invite you to uh, worship uh, this coming Wednesday uh, at noon in the chapel and then at 7.30 at, uh, at night here in the sanctuary. Uh, beginning the 21st, the following Wednesday, we will have a midweek suffered discussion Supper, Discussion, and Compline on the topic, The End of Life, A Multi-Faith Conversation. This is the first joint effort, effort at least under my tenure, of uh, working with another congregation, in this case Ballard First Lutheran, to bring on uh, several, I think, uh, terrific speakers, including first Dr. Beatrice Lawrence, a favorite of the congregation, who will speak on the end of life from a Jewish perspective, then at Ballard First Lutheran, Pastor Eric will speak on the end of life 
and the option of cremation <clears throat> uh, uh, from a Christian perspective. Uh, on the sixth, we have a speaker who is going to speak of the end of life from a Muslim perspective who herself has a terminal illness. Uh, and then finally, to be determined on the 13th, we hope to have a Native American perspective on the end of life. Please join us for this really, I think, um, potentially profound conversation on uh, mortality and how we face death during, appropriately, the season of Lent. And if you don't have enough to do as it is, if the church calendar isn't filling yours already, then I invite you as well to join me via Zoom uh, as I co-teach a five-week series on Baldwin and Bonhoeffer. Uh, this series is, uh, is a really exciting one for me. I get to teach with uh, Edward Donaldson uh, of Seattle University. Uh, uh, I've been told that there are churches from all around the country that will be participating, including an African-American church from Louisiana. I would love to see you there. And the great part is, thanks to the generosity of our Christian Education Committee, uh, you can attend free. There's a promo code uh, in the bulletin. And of course, if you'd like to leave a tip for me, that's always welcome uh, as well. Uh, just kidding. Uh, interested finally in joining our church? I invite you to a new member class. We have four people so far. The dates are there. We will induct these uh, members on uh, Easter Sunday. And finally, today, after church, uh, I understand there's a meeting of the Social Action Committee led by Jim Margard, so please join them if possible. The subject of today's sermon, as I heard from someone after, uh, after the, uh, during the sharing of the piece, uh, was a tough subject, no doubt. Uh, I had a member of our congregation or a person in our congregation from the 8 o'clock service text me afterward and said, I disagree with you on everything except the gospel. First of all, I'm glad you disagree with me with, on things sometimes. I would be more troubled if you agreed with everything. But secondly, the gospel was the whole point of the, of the sermon. Uh, what is it and who does it call us to be? In the process, uh, I neglected to mention a few names of those uh, parents who have committed to raising their children in the faith, and so I want to be sure to include Brian and Sarah Louie, uh, as well as John Reese, uh, Jim, I'm sorry, uh, Jenny and Tim Porter, um, uh, and again, Eric Patton, for making this commitment uh, on behalf of your children. Are there any other announcements for the good of the congregation? Yes. You may have noticed on the last page of the bulletin where it lists the prayer list at the very top, it mentions the fact that Jen Sorensen's funeral is, or memorial service is going to be at University Lutheran in a couple of weeks, on 24th, I think is the date. And apparently we've been asked maybe to help, but we don't know any details. So that will be forthcoming. Thank you, Rich. Please rise now as you are able for the blessing. You leave the sanctuary to re-enter a world where the gospel has been veiled. Your task, unveil it. Go with the blessing of God. And the God who names you Christ who claims you and the Holy Spirit who remains in you, bless you and keep you always. Amen. 
Our sending hymn is number 867, In Thee Is Gladness.